This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. The summer after eighth grade, I went to a summer camp for a month in the boundary waters of Minnesota. Uh, did lots of wonderful things that you do at summer camp. Um, there's biking, there's bicycling, there's water polo, there's swimming, horseback riding, uh, lots of different types of games, but there was canoeing, and I'd never been canoeing before. Yes. I had a hard time figuring this out. Apparently, you can put it in on the side, and the boat will do one thing. But the moment you move it, the boat will do something else. Oh, I was terrified. No matter how hard my instructor worked, no matter how many times he took me out in the legs, he said, let's do this. He put you in the front of the boat, put you in the back of the boat. Okay, put it in. Okay, the boat does this one thing. Right now, move it. Then the boat did something else. I couldn't keep it straight. I could not keep it straight. Couldn't hold it right. Couldn't do anything with it. I was so bad at canoeing when the whole camp goes out on these three-day portages and canoeing trips through the boundary waters of Minnesota and Canada. I got to be a part of what they call the trail crew. The agreement between whatever Canada and the camp was so that our trips could go all over the place through these waters and get permissions was agreed that they would have a team go and clear out the snowmobile pads for the winter. So while uh, everyone else in the camp was doing this, mile after mile I was taking bushwhackers and clearing out weeds and clearing out shrubs so that the snowmobilers could go through. I'm proud, proud to say that eventually I did figure this out, even became an instructor and uh, taught canoeing. Lots of students taking them on trips. Isn't it interesting though? You can put one person in a canoe and give them one of these and they will have joy abounding. They'll go all over the place. Love the water, enjoy the water. Maneuver the chaos of the waves and everything else. You put someone else in the same water, in the same boat, give them the same paddle and it's utter chaos. They don't know what they're doing. Isn't it interesting? Because I think life's the same way. You can put a person in a situation and the waves of chaos collide into their life and they're able to maneuver it. They're able to handle it. They're able to get through it. And it doesn't swamp the boat and it doesn't stress them to the point of exhaustion and fear. They just know how to move through that water with great grace purpose, a design. Would you put another person in the same water, in the same boat, with the same paddle, and everything seems to fall apart? Chaos doesn't stay out of the boat. Chaos makes its way in the boat. And the slightest of ways sends that boat off to the left or off to the right, and they don't have purpose, and they don't have joy, and they don't have delight, and they don't have intention. It is fear, and it's fright, and it's frantic. It's like two people going, drop them in the water. 
One who knows how to swim, not a problem, right? One who doesn't know how to swim, the story does not end well. Canoeing is not complicated. This is not hard. You just have to know a few basic things. You know a few basic things and you can maneuver a boat and you can maneuver the water. I could teach you how to canoe three minutes, four minutes, and you can go out in the water and have a great time. The book of Proverbs is a lot like that. If you know a few things, you can maneuver life. It's not complicated. You get a few things. What Proverbs sets in front of us is these foundational ideas. If you can grasp that life is a journey and there are guides on that journey and that journey has a destination. If you can get this thing called the fear of the Lord and live within the presence of God as he reveals himself to you and you correctly respond to that. If you can breathe in God's presence and walk in wisdom. Today, if you can grasp the whole and your part within it, you can walk in wisdom. And what might be chaos for some becomes order and, in fact, delight and joy for you. So today, I want you to see the whole and how your part fits within it. If you were to go into my office, many of you would probably freak out because it's, it's sheer chaos. Well, not to me. I know where everything's at. I know where everything is. I know why it's there and what it's there. And you might walk and say, this is a mess. If this is what his brain is like, God save us all. Because there's just a little bit of everything. Things that matter to me, value to me. But if you were to go in there and maybe just turn, you know, did 360 degrees and took in different parts, this part and this part. And eventually you'd start to see patterns and connections. You know, the, the types of books that I have. I, have. I don't have a lot of books. I used to have a whole lot more books. I've learned that some books are worth having and some books aren't. I, I love poetry. There's some Oliver Wendell Holmes. I have a whole section of just poetry books. I think there's an important place for poetry. Uh, the Bible's poetry. Did you know that? What else? Uh, tea. I got a lot of tea in my office. I love to drink tea. This is a little, here's a little teapot. This is a cast iron. This is a Japanese teapot. Man, when this sucker gets hot, I tell you what. Love loose leaf tea. I have lots of mugs. Walk in my office, you'll see a, a kitchen table. You won't see couches or big desks. It's just not who I am. I got prayer beads. These are some Catholic prayer beads. This is a Catholic rosary. I have lots of prayer beads. This is part of who I am. How I, how I walk before God and, and live in the fear of the Lord. I got things that probably don't make sense. Some, this is, this is a portrait of Thomas Jackson. He's a Confederate general. Some of you are like, you're going to get arrested. <laughs> you probably, maybe you don't know anything about Thomas Jackson. Thomas Jackson started a Sunday school for slaves in his hometown. Churches wouldn't allow the slaves in. And Thomas wanted them to learn about the gospel and wanted to teach them how to read. So he started a Sunday school. A Sunday school that he subsidized for the remainder of his life until he was killed. He would send his check back to the school so that the slaves could learn about the gospel and so the slaves could learn how to read. 
the slaves in the town sought him out because he was a man of kindness and goodness. But you won't hear about that in the news. Those are the types of things, lots of types of things. If you were to walk in and took parts, it would tell you about the whole that is me. Proverbs wants you to learn how to take the parts and see the whole. And from the whole, discern how I'm to move forward, how I'm to live. So find Proverbs chapter 8. And we're not moving uh, chronologically or verse by verse through the book. I want you to give you this piece and give you this piece and give you this piece so that as you encounter Proverbs, you can maneuver the whole. Proverbs chapter 8, if you're using these Proverbs journals, it's uh, page 40. We're going to read a few pages together. This is the longest speech that, that Lady Wisdom makes. And I'm going to want to read the whole thing for you and show you just in my head how I broke it down a little bit. And I'm going to walk you through so you can see it up there. But I'd encourage you if you have one of these journals to follow along. Or maybe use the Bibles that are in front of you. Proverbs chapter 8. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It's a prologue. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. This is what she says. These are wisdom's words. Verse 4. To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. It means to everybody. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things. And from my lips will come what is right. And from my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And another section. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord... We learned about that last week. That's the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign. Rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. Those who seek me diligently, find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit, it's better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. This next section is the one we're going to spend the most time at this morning. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. 
When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. It's talking about you. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. Page 44. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit so that waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, delighting in the children of man. And then the last few verses are a summary. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear my instruction and be wise. And do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Really kind of puts a period at the end, doesn't she? There's a universal good here that Proverbs wants us to understand, that wisdom wants us to see. It saturates all of God's creation. If you look with me, okay, in verses 24 and down through 25, you're going to hear this phrase come up twice. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. The phrase means to be born. I was birthed. If you uh, look at Lucas and you look at Aiden and you look at Jackson, my sons, you'll see that they're related. You just look at them and say, yeah, they're related. They're related. They're brothers. And if you put me next to me, you say, yeah, I bet you that's probably dad. I can see how what was passed on. Those are handsome young men. Look at Paul. I don't know why you laugh so much at that. It makes sense to me. What was of Paul has been passed on to them, birthed of me. Wisdom is birthed of God's character, his goodness. It's how God created. There's a universal aspect that comes from God that is imbued into creation. You hear Genesis in the back of your minds, and you're supposed to kind of have to have that story. And every time God makes something, what does he say? Hey, that's good. He makes something, and he says, that's good. Because the creation, by wisdom, flows out of his character. It's right. So what he does is, the way he starts this out says he draws a circle. Maybe on one of your pages, you want to do the same thing. It's not a perfect circle, but it's the best I can do. You could bring Gosser up. You probably draw a perfect circle. Jerk. 
Yeah, that'll have to do. Henry, did you draw a circle? Is it perfect? It is, isn't it? It's a perfect, oh, you do the perfect circle? Like father, like son. He says in verse 27, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. See that word deep? This is real important. He's going to go through and he's going to talk about water a lot. Okay, listen. He says, when he made firm, this is verse 28, the skies above, the waters that are above, firm. He said, that's where they go. When he established the fountains of the deep, verse 28, verse 29. When he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, okay? Meaning what? Okay, so outside is chaos, and inside is order. You have to read Proverbs and understand Proverbs the way a Jew in ancient Near Eastern would have read Proverbs and heard Proverbs. For them, water means chaos. It's symbolic, metaphoric, but also reality. One of the first things that you see God doing in the creation story, there's a whole lot of chaos. And God speaks into it and he brings order. What God is doing, he's establishing the boundaries between what is chaos and what is order. What's order? What's chaos like? It's like floating adrift in the middle of a storm. That's chaos. The ship that his life is wrecked is overturned and you are grabbing a hold of whatever you can possibly grab a hold of to stay afloat. And you are at the whims of the wave and the wind and it is pounding you and it is moving you. You don't have purpose. You don't have direction. You do not have delight and joy. You are in survival mode, right? She knows it. How many of you understand chaos? Not that it's you, right? I mean, you know someone. There's someone I know who knows chaos, right? There's a franticness to their life. There's a flurry of fear about their life. You ask them how things are going and they start talking about the franticness of time. There's not enough time. Time just seems to be going and there's not enough time to do this and there's not enough time to do that as they're grabbing a hold of reality to the best of their ability. Chaos has saturated and overflown them in the area of time. There's never enough money to do what needs to be done. They work for money. Money doesn't work for them. Relationships. Holy cow. Hot mess. Hot mess. Every single relationship seems to be defined by chaos. There's always some level of drama. As the waves wash over. I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying maybe you know someone who lives like that. But into the chaos, God draws a circle. He says, in here is order. This is Eden. This is flourishing. This is this trinity of righteousness, rightness, and justice, and equity. This is goodness. This is purpose. And this is delight. This is where everything is working the way it's supposed to be working. This is wisdom manifest in the Garden of Eden. 
This is the way things are supposed to be. God makes order. And he says to the chaos, you're not allowed in here. I've drawn a line. If you go on in the passage, I'm going to keep reading in verse 29. When he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, that word marked out is the same one as it talks about drawing a circle. God laid, put in a foundation. And the hills, this mountain rose up out of the chaos. So maybe we can put in a little hill there. Foundation, land in the storm, stability, security. When God creates something in Genesis 1, how does he do it? What did he say? He speaks it, right? He speaks it. Let there be, let there be. His word manifests his creation and brings it about. This is why when we see Jesus creating and doing and bringing about life, he speaks it in the Gospels. The word brings life. His word is the foundation that I can stand on, that brings stability. And upon that foundation, the passage goes on to say, when he marked out the foundation of the earth, verse 30, I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, delighting in the children of man, rejoicing with delight, Delighting, rejoicing, inhabited a place for men to dwell. And on that, what? He says, this is home. So we build a house. That's the creation story. There's the chaos waters as the spirits moving around them and over them. Drawing forth and establishing the land. And in goodness, establishing order. Where things can have purpose and dwell in goodness and there can be delighting. Home. Home. Home is where we participate, isn't it? That's the goal, right, parents? To get the kids participating, right? They have a part to play. They have something to do. Chore lists. Ways of contributing, right? Home is where I participate. I'm a part of the goodness. I'm a part of the justice. I'm functioning within the equity that is God's creation and everything flourishes. And from there, Adam and Eve are charged to go out and bring in more flourishing to creation. And all of this is brought about by Here's the universal. This is the universal. God does this. He carves order out of the chaos. He brings foundation and he establishes home. That's the whole. That's what God does. And here's the beautiful thing in this passage. It functions on a particular level too. So if we go back up a little bit earlier to verses 15 and 16, listen to what wisdom says. 
at a particular level. This is page 42 if you're using this. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. What we need to zero in, see that word decree? It's the same word as drawing a circle. It's the same word as marking out. It's the same, it's the same idea of carving out. When you see a king or a ruler or a president or a legislation, a government doing what is just and right and good, they are carving, they are drawing circles the same way that, that God is drawing circles. They're tracing God's habit of bringing order within chaos, of laying a foundation that is lost so that there can be home. There's four kings that are mentioned in the book of Proverbs. Solomon, he started out really good. Did not end so good. Hezekiah, great reformer. Two others, Ager and Lemuel, that are mentioned towards the end of the book. So there's kings from a wide variety of walks of life and ethnicities. But wisdom speaks to all of them and says, whenever you see any king, any ruler, doing what is just and what is right, they're tracing upon God's order. They're doing what God does. Establishing order within the chaos through the foundation of the law where home can be. But I'm not a king. I'm not a queen. I don't run vastnesses of things. But you're still called to build a home. So if you jump to Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, if you're using these journals, it's page 112. Lola will bring it up. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. says this, by wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it's established. It means foundation. By knowledge, rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Wisdom, the person who is wise, sees their life within the whole and does what just kings do and traces their life upon God, deciding order from chaos, building upon the foundation of God's word so that there can be home. This is what wisdom does. It traces upon, it draws better circles it learns to trace on top of God's design and God's way of doing things. Wisdom builds a house. You ever heard that before? Any other place in the Bible? About wisdom building a house. Jesus gives this massive, beautiful discourse. His law how his kingdom functions 
And when he gets to the end, he steps into the spotlight of wisdom. And he has this to say, Lola, this is Matthew chapter 7. You've heard these verses before. You've heard these passages. The whole church is kind of, this whole idea. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24, 25, 26, and 27. Lola, did you find it? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like what? A wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And in true wisdom form, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, floods came, winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. He steps into wisdom's shoes, and we need him to step into wisdom's shoes. Because Proverbs doesn't give you a lot of hope. It just, it just diagnoses, okay, this path looks like this, this path looks like that. I mean, let's be honest, what if chaos has come in? What if chaos has come in to your life? Proverbs basically, man, that sucks. That's, that's too bad, because that, that, that leads to death. And so, not you, but maybe someone you know, chaos has come in, and chaos is saturated, and chaos has drowned, and the house is starting to crumble, and Proverbs does not give you a solution. Jesus picks up where wisdom stops and says, hey, I have a solution. You know chaos. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So grace builds a house. Love builds a house. Forgiveness builds a house. The carpenter doesn't walk into the house and say, hey, all right, we just, if we replace that and swap that out, I think I can patch this. The carpenter says, we're going to build a whole new house. Out with the old and in with the new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is what love does. This is what grace does. This is what the goodness of God does. And you learn how to draw upon the circle of God and trace out, again, this is order. These are the foundations. This is the house. What you can then do is, if you go back to Proverbs 8, you can almost hear Jesus speaking through the end of this chapter. So if I'm in Proverbs 8, this is page 44 in your journals, 32 through 36. Maybe you can imagine Jesus saying these things. I don't think it's a stretch. And now, sons, daughters, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. 
For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Notice those three in verse 34. Listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside me. Whose foundation? It's, it's his foundation. I'm just going to build upon his foundation. I'm going to do what he tells me to do the way he tells me to do it. I'm going to carve out order within the chaos of life. As I listen to God's word, I'm going to listen to him. Watching daily at my gates. The gates is where decisions are made. You go to an ancient Near Eastern town, the gates are where people gathered for civil decisions, business decisions. Buying, selling, doing things. How many of you have decisions to make this week? Jesus says, gather at my gates. Let's make decisions my way. Waiting, he says. Are you good at waiting? Are you good at waiting? How many of you have gotten yourselves in trouble because you couldn't wait? It's the human condition in many respects. Because it says in the garden, God put two trees. One tree is a tree of life, and the other one is the knowledge of good and evil. Meaning if you choose the tree of life, this is blessing, presence, goodness, walking with God. It's awesome. The other tree is me saying, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to wait for God to dis- I'm not waiting for God to tell me when things, I'm gonna, I want to decide now. I decide what good is. I decide what wrong is. I take the foundation responsibilities upon myself. I will build my own. How many of you know, know how that goes? Right? He says, no, I will wait. I will wait upon him. Where did Adam and Eve go wrong? They took. They did not receive. Those of you who watch football, some of you watch football, Okay. The difference between taking the football from the quarterback versus receiving the ball from the quarterback. I'm to receive from God. So it says in the beginning of chapter 8, verses 4 through 11. We're to hear her voice. She cries out, To you, O men, I call to my. And my cry is to the children of man. That means everybody. Simple ones. Learn prudence. Simple means the head is open. It doesn't have anything in it yet. It could go to the left. It could go to the right. It could go down wisdom's path. It could go down folly's path. The young one. The unknowing one. Learn prudence. Fools. Learn sense. So much grace in that phrase. Fools. You're going down the wrong path. Jesus says, hey, hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. Let me see if I can 
uh, apply this to four groups this morning. And maybe you find yourself in one of these groups. To those who find themselves in chaos. Who feel themselves drowning. Lacking direction. Lacking purpose. Lacking delight. Eden is full of delight. Learn to ask for help. I need help. I can't do this anymore. Aren't you tired of being tired? Aren't you tired? of chaos, just wrecking everything. We're being honest. You open the door, right? You open the window. You let it in. But Jesus would say to you, come. There's a better way of being human. There's a way of getting through the storm. How many of you remember toilet paper 2020? You guys remember that? Toilet paper 2020. It got weird, didn't it? You have the pictures in your head and you saw them. It wasn't you. It was someone else. They just have cases and cases and cases of toilet paper in their shopping cart. You remember? And truth be told, you'd kind of walk down that aisle and you'd peek just to see, eh, probably should just, you never know. There is a way of maneuvering the storm and a way of not maneuvering the storm. And you could kind of see how certain people were maneuvering the storm. Maybe you know what that chaos is like. Ask for help. Cry out to Jesus. He says, I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. Another group. Those of you who help kids, work with kids, parent kids, you have kids, talking high school and under, you have to get better at drawing circles. Okay? You have to get better at knowing where the line is drawn, where chaos is and where order is, the foundation that is God's word, that's what builds home. That's what builds security and stability. You compromise the circle, you compromise the foundation, the home falls down. Every kid wants home. And they don't have to be your kid to give them a safe place. For those of you who are single parents, divorcees, you must draw better circles. 
In the same way that God established what is chaos and order and the good king and the good queen builds upon and traces that same circle. You must learn, this is the line. We don't cross it. This is the foundation of the life that we're building. We don't step away from it. What do you know if you see a house that's crumbling? What do you know when you look at a house and you see the storm and the chaos is winning? There's something wrong with the foundation. Things aren't set the way they're supposed to be set. One of my wife and I's favorite things, I don't know where my wife went. Where did my wife go? She didn't want to hear it a second time. I, I listen to him talk all the time. One of the things that we love to do is sit on our back porch when there's a big rainstorm that comes through. We don't fear the storm. You know why? It's a good house. Good foundation. The storm can blow and it can rage. We sit there together. If you are working with kids, you have to know where the line is. Another group, those of you who own your own business, and there's a lot of you here, you own your own business, started your own business, owner, operator. Wisdom cries out at the gates where business is done. Wisdom speaks to you specifically. There's chapter upon chapter upon chapter for the businessman, for the businesswoman. You own the business. You get to draw the circle. You get to decide. You're not like others who have to kind of toe in line with whatever the company line is, what are the companies doing. You get to say, my company, this way. His foundation, we do this. This is the house. Can you say Chick-fil-A? Right? Because they said, this is the order. This is the foundation. This is what we're going to build on. Wisdom says this last thing in 10 and 11, and then in 18 and 21. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Very similar thing comes up in verses 18 through 21. Wisdom says, I'm better. I'm worth more. I'm a greater value. You want to chase after me more than that. In fact, whatever you desire, I am to be desired more. On Saturday, Rose and I are teach a workshop called Oikonomics. Uh, some of you have been to it. Some of you... Come again. You're free to come again. It's a free workshop where we help you understand these 
capitals that are a part of your life. God entrusts you with financial capital, intellectual capital. He entrusts you with time. He gives you health. He gives you relationships. To learn how to order those and how to leverage one to grow something that's worth more. Wisdom says, I'm worth more than jewels. Do you know how to grow in wisdom? Do you know how to invest correctly? Do you know how to use your time and not be used by time? Do you know how to not work for money, but to get money to work for you? Do you know how to invest in relationships? Invest in your relationship with God and grow in wisdom and power. So sorry, if you haven't signed up yet, uh, it's free. You are free to come. The book is $10. You don't have to have the book. Rose and I would love the privilege of walking alongside of you and seeing how God builds a life and how to build it well on the right foundation. To the fourth group of people, those of you who understand order and live in order, and I love watching your life flourish. It's a joy to me. Those of you who have learned how to walk in the goodness of God, learn to throw a ring to those who are in chaos and drowning. Learn to walk alongside those of us who are younger in the faith and say, hey, can I help? Don't enable, help. It takes a lifetime to build life. Maybe there's a name or a person that God's brought to your attention. Artists, would you come up before we, we push away? Let's invite God into the process. That might look like repentance this morning. Repentance is when I realize that I'm going down that path and God's inviting me to go down that path. Jesus is the one who makes repentance possible. It's his grace and his love, his mercy that enables us to step off of the one and to pursue the other, to walk in goodness and justice and equity. And Jesus says, hey, can we talk about this? So maybe you need a prayer of repentance this morning. A way of saying, I've sinned against you in thought, in word, in deed. And what I've done and what I've left undone. God, I've not loved you with my whole heart. God, I've not loved my neighbor as myself. I'm truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I might delight in your will and walk in your way to the glory of your name. It's saying, Jesus, I'm in chaos. Help. And you'd be amazed what the good carpenter does. But for prayer, why don't we all stand? And let's pray wisdom over all of us over each other. Lola, could you bring up that prayer for wisdom, please? How many of you have decisions to make this week? Some of you do. Some of you don't have to do anything this week, apparently. That's, that's awesome. 
Maybe I decide if I take a shower or not take a shower. If I want to use the green coffee cup or the red coffee cup. How many of you have to make decisions this week and you don't know what the right answer is? Yeah. Yeah. You need wisdom. You need wisdom to see how our life is to trace over the goodness and the direction of God. Wisdom would speak into that and lead us into the flourishing life. So let's, the privilege that we have is to pray over one another that we would walk in wisdom. Would you pray this with me? May the Father of glory give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may know what is the hope to which he has called us. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today, and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can. Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.